This is episode 18 of The Young Gun Show, a podcast that aims to feature and inspire the young guns in the web industry. I'm Galen Gidman, your host. Today's guest is our third gunslinger to date. He's a designer, he's a developer, a cancer survivor, and a partner at Lift and Up Themes. You may also know him from his uh, previous previous projects, 365 PSD and Design Moon. Chris Wallace, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you uh, you know, letting me be on the show. And um, you know, I love talking to uh, people about you know what I can offer and, and what I've done in the past. And uh, hopefully, you know, we uh, can really provide some cool stuff for your audience to to enjoy. Yeah, well, I'm sure we will. And and you were uh, you were a little sore about not getting you to come on as a as a young gun. You're like, you're I'm only 28 well, here. You know, I. <laughs> I, you know, I guess, you know, I'm almost 30, but I was hoping, you know, I'm still young, young at heart. Yeah. You know, I've got, got two kids and, um, you know, I guess when you have a seven-year-old, five-year-old, <laughs> yeah. getting older, so no worries. Yeah, I, I was, that's what I was telling you. I'm like, dude, if you've got kids, it, you can't, yeah. Generally, I like to keep the, you know, I, I have the line at about 21, roughly. I've had some 22-year-olds. Oh, that's okay. On. Yeah, no, but, you, I, I started out, you know, really, I mean, I was like 13 when I started. So I've been doing this really for quite a long time. So it's uh, it's been such a long time that really I, it doesn't even, it really doesn't make sense at this point to be considered a young gun. So Yeah, well, I mean, that was my, you know, of course, the first question is how did you get your start? Sure. Well, I, you know, I, like a lot of people, I, uh, I really got into kind of just messing around with, uh, I guess I can say this now, pirated uh, <laughs> versions of like Macromedia, Flash, and uh, Dreamweaver and things like that. And um, it just got into kind of fiddling around with it. And I thought Flash was really cool at the time uh, when I was 13, I guess, and started just kind of building cool stuff with it. And Eventually, I uh, I decided, you know, hey, I could probably I'm I'm good enough at this that I could probably make money doing it, and I ended up partnering with, um, like three other buddies that you know once I got into college, um, we had some free time, and we just started kind of putting together websites for really really small. I mean, these were like musicians that really weren't going anywhere, and like the smallest companies you can possibly imagine doing work for like $300, you know, like full, full blown websites for like 300 bucks. And I don't know what we were doing. And, you know, it, it was really a good learning experience, but at the same time it was like, man, what, what is this stuff? <laughs> we were building sites with tables and, um, dream, just Dreamweaver based sites. I mean, we, we didn't know anything about uh, CMS. Like we just built, our own stuff, just static HTML and everything like that. And then eventually, I, you know, I um, uh, found out that I uh, had cancer and I, uh, you know, I had to kind of, ch- I was in college at the time and I had to kind of change uh, course a little bit. So I ended up dropping out of college and uh, working for another college back in my hometown, St. Louis. And that was a really good experience because I was, I was really in charge of everything. Um, I started doing, you know, I was, I was considered the webmaster. I started doing pretty much everything. And, uh, and from there I ended up going to a couple of companies, uh, network solutions being one of them, kind of the evil hosting company of the world. And then, uh, enterprise rent a car. I was a front end developer there 
on enterprise.com for a few years and then got into freelance, a little more freelance work, uh, founded wall media, um, and eventually lift and design moo and 365. I mean, all this other stuff, just sort of my, uh, my entrepreneurial itch sort of, uh, <laughs> got me into all that other stuff. So, right. But, but I mean, you've been at this for, for quite a while now. Uh, so that, I mean, that's always cool. You know, when I'll have someone on the show and they'll be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still 19 or I'm 20, but, but I've been at this for six or eight years, you know, you know, uh, it's always cool. And that, happens. yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and the thing for me is really, um, just always doing things. Uh, I even, I mean, just thinking about other projects that I've, I've worked on, I've failed a lot actually at other, at other projects that, you know, I don't even really talk about. I had a, um, a partnership with a guy. Oh man, it was back in like 2005 or something like that, uh, where we did a Spanish book, uh, a Spanish bookstore, uh, essentially called mylibros.com. And we didn't know, I mean, we really didn't know what we were doing. We built it on, um, like a, a fork of OS commerce or something. And, um, it actually was a really cool concept, but we had no idea what we were doing in terms of marketing. Uh, and, and the guy that I was I, that I partnered with, he actually works for eBay now. Uh, so the e-commerce thing, I guess, is <laughs> still working for him. But for me, like, and there there are just gobs and gobs of uh, failed projects that just kind of kept mounting up. And mylibros.com was actually a really good learning experience for me in terms of understanding how servers worked and how uh, how to how to build an e-commerce website and you know, it, it taught me that the tools at the time really sucked. And so, um, I also, with the same, uh, with the same guy, we actually started, uh, working on other projects together a little bit. And, um, man, there's just so many, we, I actually, uh, worked on rims.com. We, mm-hmm. we decided to build a, um, partner with the, the owner of the actual domain and start building a, um, a wheel and tire store. And that failed miserably. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I, I'd say that, you know, I, I just, it was just really trial and error trying to figure out, um, you know, how I can push my own skills and, and build things that were just cool, you know, and uh, a lot of stuff wasn't cool. But at the same time, I learned so much about what I wasn't good at and learned a lot about <laughs> where I wanted to be. And that's kind of where I, I got into uh, freebies and really digging in more to the design community side of things, mm-hmm. uh, because that's what actually, you know, it gave me enjoyment, uh, just being involved with, uh, being able to, to s- just provide stuff to people that they're just like, wow, this is really cool. This is great. I can't believe you would share this for free. And I just wanted people to have that feeling of like, wow, well, I mean, this is really going to help me in my own, you know, abilities or, learning how to do something that they didn't know how to do before no for sure yeah and and i like what you or you know and i just want to go back to something i guess you said you know you you say you failed at a lot of stuff well i I think we've all you know uh, gone back and you know failed at these things how many designs have i had for my personal site that never you know saw the light of day well you know more than i could count on all my fingers and toes but um (laughs) But, but, you know, pieces of those went into the, the stuff that did work. And so 
just because it never, you know, never saw the light of day or didn't, you know, wasn't quote unquote a success, you know, things you've learned from those or, or, you know, the, 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 um, the components that made other projects that did quote unquote work, you know, made those possible. If you hadn't done those other things and the stuff that did work wouldn't have worked. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I guess for me, um, a lot of the failed stuff that, that, um, that I had worked on, I actually took a lot of it and gave it away for free just so that other people could maybe learn from, uh, the things that I had done or maybe take a PSD that, you know, I didn't have time to finish and somebody else could benefit from. Uh, and that's whenever I have a failure, I try to, I try to get something out of it. You know, it's, it's not always about, uh, the end result. It's about kind of the process and where you're going, uh, ultimately. Mm. So that's, that's just kind of been my philosophy all along. Yeah, for sure. Take what you, take what you can out of it, figure out what you can do with, you know, maybe what you started. And, and, you know, you mentioned the freebies when we talked about that, even in the, in, in your, you know, bio, you, uh, did design moo and 365 PSD. And so design moo is the first one, you know, I've got on the list to talk about. And that was probably the first project you did where I kind of like heard about you. And that would have been, I don't know, even two years ago, I guess. So, so could you tell us about design moo and, you know, maybe a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, it, originally it started out, I don't know if you had seen it, uh, before that, before it became what it, what it now is, which is like a resource sharing site. Um, before that, it was actually uh, a link sharing site, kind of like Design Bump, so or or Dig. You know, it's kind of the Dig for designers. Um, we ended up building it as this link sharing site, and really, I mean, it was a it was a decent idea, but really, really poorly executed. Again, the failure thing. But um, we ended up just having so many issues with spam that it just got overrun, and I didn't have time to keep up with it, and so we ended up just completely killing it and kind of just sat on it for a little while and thought about what I really wanted it to be and where I I felt that it could really help the design community. And so finally I I had this idea, well, you know, Dribbble had just come out and I was like, well, this is actually a really good idea, except I, I think it'd be really cool if we could build this where it's not just showcasing your designs, but it's actually giving them away for free. So we built it. Um, we kind of decided on a direction for it. We we wanted to do. Uh, we had a whole big roadmap, you know, for it laid out. We wanted to do freebies. We wanted to sell and allow people to sell, kind of like the new creativemarket.com. Have you seen that site? Yeah, I was a, I was an early seller there, so it's pretty. Yeah, it's we're, pretty awesome. Yeah, we're selling on there as well. Um, but it, it was a very similar concept to that as well, where you could you, you could get on the site uh, as a as a uh, provider of items and sell them or give them away for free. And then we also had a um, kind of just a blog, you know, just sharing tutorials and um, you know like stuff for Photoshop that you can use, like curve presets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was kind of the strategy was like build traffic by giving stuff away for free and then use that traffic to then upsell, you know, kind of like a stock photography site would where they give away a certain number of photos for free. And then all the good ones are really, you know, they cost money. 
uh, was sort of the concept. And that's, that's really where, uh, you know, where we wanted to take it. Now we got busy with a lot of other things and didn't end up doing a lot of that. Uh, you know, obviously it still allows you to log in and you can post your own freebies for people and things like that. And I guess now dribble has the attachment, uh, attachment feature where it's kind of a similar deal now where you can give stuff away there. Um, but this is a little more focused and kind of just a, a fully searchable kind of database of design resources, which is really cool. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, whereas Dribble's more, what are you working on? Design me is kind of, uh, it's it's all about the freebies. It's not like a, hey, I was working on this website. What do you guys think? Give me feedback. Right. Right. So, so is that something you're still working on or? No, we actually... Um, we actually sold that site uh, earlier this year, and I think in May. Okay. So we sold it along with 365 PSD. Oh, okay. So that's interesting. That was the next one I was going to talk about. So 365 PSD was kind of the same idea. It was it was like a it was a new PSD freebie every day, right? Correct. And so, I mean, how did how did that come about? Well, I actually was uh, was chatting with a friend of mine. Uh, I think. And I don't even know how to pronounce this correctly, but most people refer to him as Jono. Uh, I think it's pronounced Yono. Um, he's a Yono Tai on on Twitter. Um, I was actually talking with him one day, and and he was really looking to get out of running 365 PSD, and we were actually looking for a property to acquire <laughs> similar to 365 PSD um, to really help boost traffic uh, for Design Mill so that we can really promote our, our resources and kind of add to our collection. Um, 365 was a really great uh, site for, and still is, uh, for really, really, uh, you know, kind of high, uh, higher end PSDs, I guess. would I guess that's the term now. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's essentially the, I mean, it's, it's the cream of the uh, crop. It's right up there with uh, Orman Clark's um, premium pixel site. And, you know, it was getting really, really good traffic and, um, John really wanted to get out of it and kind of work on other projects. He now has shipment app and all this other stuff that he's working on. And he just, he didn't have that drive anymore to really maintain it and keep pumping out PSDs and everything like that. And he didn't have all the automation that he needed to run the site easily. I mean, he was still manually uploading everything by himself and it was just kind of a pain in the neck. And so he contacted us and, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's, you know, let's acquire this site. And so we, we did. We agreed on a sales price and picked it up and it was great. Um, everything worked really well. We actually um, built a lot of really cool automation tools within WordPress uh, so that users could actually submit their own uh, resources. Mm-hmm. And once we did that, I mean, it, the site essentially just ran itself and, we really, you know, did really uh, quite well with the site as it was and tried to think of ways to really incorporate it with Design Moose so that they were a little better connected. Um, and we didn't, I mean, the, the problem with it is that there's really a kind of a fine line to walk between uh, changing a site. And, and you know how designers are. They're, they're very, uh, they pay attention to details. Oh, for sure. And, you know, we did not want to mess the vibe up of 365 PSD in any way. Um, we had already taken a little bit of heat for the quality 
uh, you know, of, of PSDs kind of slipping a little bit. And, um, you know, we, we tried as hard as we could to just really vet everything that came through and make sure that it was top quality uh, and fresh stuff. So it's not like the same old set of buttons or UI elements or whatever every day or, you know, like twice a week. We wanted things to be new and different and kind of keep the, you know, keep it going, keep the, the feeling of that high end um, freebie site. And that's a really tough thing to do. I mean, freebies are a really hard business to be in. Um, but there is that balance that if you can strike a balance between quality and, uh, you know, just eating all of your time, uh, that's, that's really where you need to be. You need to make sure that there's that, that high quality, um, finishing touch on everything. Uh, because when your audience is designers, it's, it's a very difficult thing to, to keep up, to keep them interested. There's always a new design, uh, or a new website out that they're, you know, clicking around on or freebie site or whatever. Um, so that's definitely like if, if anybody, you know, out there is thinking about starting a freebie site, um, just keep in mind, it's all about the quality. And that's really where sites like premium pixels, sites like 365 PST kind of set themselves apart. So. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, I kind of been watching the premium pixels from the, you know, the very beginning when Orman Clark was, not a name yeah certainly not a name that i knew and i really don't think he was a name that anyone really knew and just you know i was i wasn't even on dribble at the time he was you know but as he would make you know the first and these were i mean the first 10 or 12 freebies you know he'd post them to forest and i just you know i saw him there and it's it was really hard and you know to me still is i mean obviously it's nice design but Mm -hmm. it's not anything that other people can't do you know right well yeah and, and, it's, and it's all it, about but there's something quality. there's something about his stuff though that just takes it to another level and you know rise you know raises his 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 work and his sight and just his whole persona above the rest of the the and i hate to be too nasty here but the cruft of, of everything else you know what i'm saying right the, the well no it's, it's true yeah it's true yeah, and I mean that that was really where these sites set themselves apart. It was really the the person behind the site that is what drove it to be successful, not necessarily the freebies themselves. So you couldn't just start a site today and throw a bunch of awesome, really cool freebies on there and then just expect people to be like, "Oh, this is amazing" and tweeting it everywhere and, you know, all that. I mean, you really do have to kind of build a grassroots uh following, and that's that's what most people have done to be successful in any of this type, unless they have millions of dollars at their disposal, which most people don't. Um, but it's important to build that grassroots community and, um, and then maintaining it is a whole nother story. <laughs> you know, I mean, keeping the quality high is what's going to maintain, uh, that com- that type of a community. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you think there's been, um, maybe a lot of talk recently in the, in the community and on Twitter about, have has this you know have we become too oversaturated with freebies and is this even a good thing anymore do they still have their place what do you think about that yeah i I mean i think the trouble is there's so much out there and it's hard to sift through it all and when you're really looking for something specific you have 12 different sites you can visit or you've got creative market or you've got you know whatever site dribble even now 
I mean, Dribble, you can go and search for, you know, icons or something, you know, and, and you'll come up with a bunch of attach, you know, attachments that come on uh, to the, the dribbles now. And there are just so many things out there. And it's, it's really hard to separate everything out. Now, I mean, I think that they have their place. And I think they're valuable, but it's getting harder and harder to market them to people. I mean, how do you market a freebie if you're not making I mean, really, you're just making ad revenue for the most part, unless you have an, an extra part of your business model in there where you're actually selling something that goes along with it. Um, you know, premium pixels, he sells WordPress themes. So, you know, gives away a bunch of stuff for free, gets a bunch of traffic and then pushes WordPress themes in your face. That's a good way to do it. I mean, it, it kind of satisfies the same audience. So it makes a lot of sense. You've got uh, designers that are looking for a portfolio site, you know, maybe they want, um, just a freebie set of buttons or you know icons or something like that that they can kind of work with. And then they see, oh, great, there's a WordPress theme that already does all this stuff that I'm going to to build. So, I mean, it, it kind of keeping things in the same vein uh, is really helpful for people because then when they search for free icons, they come up to premiumpixels.com or whatever, um, then it just it's kind of a natural routing process where rather than pushing stuff in your face – they're kind of, you know, it's kind of like inception, you know, they're like, like, oh, wow, icons, WordPress. I mean, it just kind of, they, they follow this rabbit trail of, of goodies until they end up making a purchase. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I mean, I think that's a kind of a natural progression. Now, I mean, not everybody is skilled enough to be doing icons and WordPress themes at the same time. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of work. And really what, I mean, what Orman's done is, is absolutely incredible, not only from a just pure like production standpoint, but from a marketing perspective as well. I mean, he's done uh, pretty incredibly just to, to, you know, be able to produce WordPress themes on top of all the, the work that he's done for premium pixels as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think if, if, if that's the direction you want to go and I'm not saying, you know, it's a great, great or a poor direction to go, but if, if that's what, you know, if that's where you want to go, he, and, you know, um, 365 PSD and you know those are the sites to really really follow and try to you know rep duplicate you know yeah, obviously I, not the not the same work but right well and, and well. I think that as long as it's part of a, a broader strategy I think freebies are great because that's really what's going to drive your traffic mm-hmm. uh you you have to be careful though not to not to do the same freebies as everybody else try to get into some segment of the freebie world that not a lot of people are involved in. Um, icons are really a great way to do that. If you can, if you can produce uh, icon sets of 200 plus icons, and and you can do it, you know, economically to to the point where you know you give these icons away and you didn't spend like 400 hours on them, um, that's a really great way to go. Yeah, because you know when I think about the freebies I download, I really don't download buttons. I really don't download UI kits. But the ones right. I do, they're like Photoshop brushes, textures, and icons. That's, you know, those are the ones right. that I really go after. The, the UI kits, uh, that, that's kind of a, been a big phenomenon over the past couple of years that I don't really understand. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, unless you're providing CSS and like kind of like a, a Twitter bootstrap kind of package, I don't get it. I don't get why you would just give away UI elements unless there's something more to it that you can actually use on the web because that's what it's meant for. Um, so if you do go that direction, I would definitely make them actual 
packages with HTML files and everything like that, because I think that's that's probably the best way to make that work. Yeah, I agree. And I and you know just with the UI kits especially those are the ones that really annoy me personally because it so much of the character of an app or a, you know web app or a mobile app or you know whatever is is in how you design this UI. Elements, right. So. Right. Well, and I I get it if it's part of a bigger package like if you've got uh, some sort of form kit where it's actually just a, a bunch of different form elements that you can use in your app. I get that. That's really cool. That's great. Um, I would just encourage anybody that's doing that, make sure that you're actually providing something useful uh, that you could actually incorporate into a project immediately rather than providing just, here's an idea. Uh, make it simple. Make it easy to use. Make it easy to incorporate, all that. I mean, you just just go, um, you know, go the full length to get, to basically hand uh, hand deliver what you've created to a developer so that they can just take it and run with it. And I think stuff like that is actually really useful. But if you're just doing, here's a PSD with UI elements, I mean, that's cool. It looks nice. It's not all that helpful. For sure. You're the co-founder of a, uh, of a UX design agency called Lyft. Um, what do you do there? What's that experience been like for you, first off? Sure. So uh, I actually uh, co-founded uh, Lyft back in, I think, two, late 2009 uh, with my partner, Brad Miller. And we actually do user experience design and a whole lot of WordPress development. Um, my technical title is Principal Creative. Um, I do everything, a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, kind of the, the whole co-founder thing. Everybody says that, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I get the coffee, I'm the accountant, all that, you know. Sure. I do a lot of that, uh, a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, where I'm uh, running payroll and uh, doing a little bit of helping out like on project management and stuff like that. I do a lot of development. I do a lot of design, um, just kind of everything that, that is needed of me. I jump in uh, wherever I can. So um, a lot of the stuff that we do, though, I mean, we really work mainly with uh, television companies right now. Uh, we've been working on second screen experiences, which I'll explain what that means. Um, if you're ever watching a TV show and you maybe want to follow along, you know, and chat with other people that are watching the show, you can get on Twitter or Facebook or whatever and kind of just shoot words into, you know, the Twitterverse and um, hopefully people respond to you. What a second screen experience does is it kind of brings everything together. So tweets, uh, Facebook posts, um, just general uh, chat. We also incorporate um, kind of show extras. So like if you've got like videos and quizzes and polls and things like that that kind of drop into the screen at certain parts of the show. And you can kind of interact with those quizzes and, you know, it's like, is Herschel going to die? And you can say yes or no, you know, and then it kind of tells you how many people said yes, how many people said no. And then what happens on screen, you know, then you know that this is what happened. Um, and so there's, there's polls, there's quizzes, there's like replays of something that just happened on the screen. So like one of the things that, uh, one of the shows that we work on is the walking dead. So on the walking dead, you know, if you're watching and somebody gets, 
totally blown away or a zombie gets blown away, they'll drop in a video and it says kill shot and, you know, shows the, shows the video again so that you can watch it again and share it with your friends or whatever. Um, and this all happens live during the show, which is really, really, uh, kind of a, a unique thing. I mean, not a lot of, not a lot of people get involved with these, um, elsewhere, but in the ones that we've built, I mean, these literally see millions of views. So it's kind of a cool thing and cool thing to experience. Uh, you know, if you're a, a huge super fan of a show, uh, especially shows like uh, the ones we've done, we've done The Walking Dead, uh, we've done Breaking Bad, um, Bridezilla's, uh, we've done a whole bunch of uh, WeTV shows. Um, so there's just, there's a ton of these out there now. And really when you get into like super fan territory with shows like The Walking Dead, there are just literally millions of people that are in love with this show. And so they're hanging on every scene and it's just, it's really cool to watch because um, it's it's just a really super cool project to be involved in. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty rare that you get to say that for research on a project, you got to watch season one of the walking dead. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Oh, no, that's man. That's cool. I didn't even, you know, um, I think I told you, it's just, we were talking before this, that I don't even, I rarely watch TV, so I'd never, you know, seen either of these shows, but I didn't even know that there were like, um, I didn't even know that they had, you know, this second screen experience that you're talking about. That's pretty, it's pretty awesome. I bet, um, you know, what, what unique, uh, challenges is, you know, making something like this presented for you? Well, I think one of the biggest challenges right now is actually figuring out how to get this to work with DVRs, <laughs> oh. work with, with DVRs and with, um, you know, Blu-rays and things like that. I mean, there are people, uh, there are companies out there that, you know, that, that kind of do something similar. There's a company called Miso and they do uh, a very similar thing, except it's for kind of like what they call web producers, um, which isn't necessarily from the, the actual show. Uh, it's just for anybody that wants to produce kind of these uh, these second screen experiences and kind of add value to these shows. But we really, I mean, we really focus on more of the custom side of things. But the uh, the DVR thing is hard. Uh, how do you how do you allow people to get involved with these second screen experiences while they're watching it from a DVR, you know, a recorded version? Uh, how do you how do you get them involved? from their Blu-ray. I mean, you know, one of the things that you can do is I guess ACR, you know, you can, um, you can do the audio recognition. So you press a button or tap something and it starts recording part of the show that you're watching and then kind of syncs you to the, to the part of the show that you're in. Um, another thing you do is have like codes on screen. So you just type in a a number and it takes you directly to that scene in the show. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there are a number of different things you can do to, to kind of, uh, you know, deal with it, but it's, it's a fun challenge. I mean, it's something that, that we really kind of get excited about and, and, uh, are really excited that we're kind of helping shape that, uh, for that, that sort of experience for television. Wow. Absolutely. That's, that's really cool. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about pricing because I feel like, you know, I, I say I feel like I know without a shadow of a doubt that that is something a lot of people struggle with. Sure. And, the, you know, you struggle with it 
uh, more if you haven't done it that much. So how do you handle pricing at Lyft and billing? Um, and, sure. and how would you recommend other people do it? Well, at Lyft, we actually do a flat hourly rate um, across the board. So, I mean, most freelancers probably would say, you know, sometimes I do hourly rate, sometimes I quote a full project out and just bill that amount or, you know, whatever. Um, for us, we've, we've actually found that the, the absolute best way for us to do it is we quote out a project and tell you, this is how much it's going to cost approximately. So, you know, we deliver a, 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 you know, a total cost estimate, say it's $50,000. And then what we tell them is we bill this hourly. What we do is we take a deposit up front and we actually uh, apply that to the, the end of the project, essentially. Um, and we just bill hourly like you normally would. So we take the deposit and then hold on to it and for the first part of the project, we just bill like we normally would, like we didn't take a deposit at all. And then, you know, coming up on the end of the project, we start applying that to the hours at the very end so that it covers the, the end of the project, which works out really well for us because, um, because then we, we kind of know a little better our cash flow and what's coming in um, and can kind of plan for things a little bit better from that side. Um, and that's, that's sort of how we do it. Interesting. So give them an estimate on how many, you know, hours it's gonna, it's gonna be then bill hourly, but before the project starts, have them almost pay the last bill. Right. Exactly. I mean, it, 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 it's kind of confusing for, (laughs) especially when you're trying to explain it to a client, but it, it makes sense because then you're not sitting around at the end of the project saying, all right, we got this last invoice that we need you guys to pay. And then you'd never, you never hear back from them. I mean, you, you've already got it covered. It's done. You've invoiced, you know, everything else and you're done. You don't have to worry about it. So it works out really, really well. Um, for, I think for both sides, because they know they have an idea, the client, they have an idea of what they're going to pay. And, I mean, I think it's typical that you charge a deposit. So they understand that, hey, well, this is a company charging a deposit, totally normal. And, you know, it it just, I don't know, (laughs) it works. (laughs) No, it sounds like a great plan. Yeah. And and you guys, you're you're entirely remote, right? There's no office. Yeah, we're a virtual company. So that means we allow you to, I mean, you can work anywhere. So if you wanted to work from uh, an island off the coast of, I don't know, Florida, whatever, I don't know, whatever you want. Um, we have employees in, uh, mainly in Texas right now. Uh, and one of our employees is actually moving from Florida to Texas right now. Uh, we have Brad, uh, my business partner, who's in Florida, and then Anthony, who's up in Michigan. Oh, very nice. So you you guys like that? You think that's that's the way the industry is moving and that's the, the way to go? Well, the way I feel about it is um, you shouldn't discriminate based on location, just like you shouldn't discriminate based on gender, age, whatever. Um, you know, if, if you find somebody that's completely qualified for the job that you are looking to fill and they're happy where they live, why should you make them move 
to, you know, just to work with you. I think that's silly. I mean, we work on the internet. Yeah. That's what we do. I mean, being in an office with somebody is really cool and it's nice to kind of pull people aside and like, you know, get, do a whiteboard session or, you know, whatever, talk face to face. But with the way that the internet's moving, I mean, it's, it's a lot easier to do that now. You've got Skype, you've got, um, you know, there's a, a piece of software called Quickly Chat, which you don't even have to call anybody. It's just open all the time and you can just click a button and automatically video conference. Yeah. And then you've got, I mean, you've got a whole bunch of other tools out there that really make it easy to collaborate. And there's online white, uh, whiteboard software, stuff like that. And it's just, it's like, why, why make people move if they're happy where they're at? Right. And if I remember right, I, I think I was seeing this on Anthony's uh, Twitter, Anthony Garand, at Garand on Twitter. He hadn't tweeted in a while, but um, during the front end design conference in Florida, you guys kind of like all got a house and kind of uh, had a week where you just, I don't even remember what he called it. There was, there was some name for it, but. Uh, yeah, we, we call it the lift hack week. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that that was easy. Um, yeah, but but how important is you know, even though you are all remote, you you got well, together I, and kind of you know got to to get in and do stuff in the same room. Yeah, no, I, I think it's important to build kind of a you know a company culture and camaraderie between your team members. You know, I don't I don't think it's great to just put everybody off in their own little uh, apartments or houses or tiny little offices at home or whatever. And expect that they're going to be totally happy with that. Uh, I think that you know there is a balance there. I mean, you've got to provide the opportunity to kind of get to know each other, you know. And and if you're just if you're working all the time and you never see you know anybody else in the company, it's it's kind of it can feel a little lonely. Um, even if that's the way you prefer to work, ultimately, it still can be a, a bit lonely. And um, you know, it's not as it's not as much fun, you know, when you don't get to hang out with everybody and, you know, stuff like that. So we try to do uh, a yearly trip. I mean, we're a pretty young company, so we've only had one so far. And we went to the front end design conference, uh, which is run by Dan Denny, who's just an awesome guy. And um, we rented a house down there in uh, St. Pete Beach area-ish. And just, we actually had all the families come out. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, so I mean, it was a it was kind of a bigger deal than just you know just having the employees there because the the families actually got to everybody got to meet each other and hang out and it was really kind of a cool experience have all the kids there uh, and and play with each other and stuff like that and and that was a really neat experience for them I think because now they they look forward to seeing you know other employees' kids you know so that's that's a really cool thing about it. I guess the other main project you guys do that I wanted to talk about was, was, you know, um, up themes. That's, that's more or less a, a lift project, correct? Sure. Yeah. Up themes really started, I'd say about, I think we're, it was six months after we, we, uh, formed lift and it was really meant as kind of just an outlet for us, um, to release products based on, you know, kind of work that we're doing anyway. I mean, we're building websites where, working with WordPress a lot. And so it was kind of a nice thing for us to just put together themes and plugins and stuff that we needed anyway and release them either for free or, you know, for, uh, for pay, you know, I mean, to the public. So it was, it was kind of a cool project, uh, 
to to work on initially you know we're trying to decide how to build it and uh what kind of themes people would like and uh, stuff like that and so you know yeah it's, it's a cool project we do a lot of like photography themes and uh gallery style themes we actually have the original kind of gallery theme which was released on smashing magazine that that uh, kind of took on a life of its own and and gained a following really quickly and uh, a lot of people have spawned their own little uh, gallery sort of not not knock off but their own their own take on the gallery theme which is kind of cool to see for a free theme to be so popular yeah for sure and and you know i think this you know, this even goes back a little bit to the freebies we were talking about earlier. Um, right. You know how to do them well, and and that kind of a that kind of a uh, <clears throat> sorry, I need to uh, need to eat some lunch or something. <laughs> um, I, I think this you know even goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, with the freebies, how to do them well, and maybe it is a set. You know, a lot of people feel like this maybe is a saturated market, but if you do it well, I don't think it matters. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it, and it's really, I think nowadays it's really all about distribution, um, quality and distribution. Really, I mean, you, you you think about the best way to deliver a free product. And, you know, there are, there are established channels out there um, that, that are really natural and make it really easy to do that kind of a thing now. You know, back when I started, there was no theme forest. There was no creative market. There was nothing like that. Um, Smashing Magazine was really the biggest thing that I could think of. And um, I had actually released a couple of themes on uh, sixrevisions.com. Um, and that actually worked out really well. And so I decided, yeah, yeah let's, try, uh, let's try Smashing, see if they'll be interested. And uh, they were. So we released it through Smashing Magazine. And that actually worked out really well because they had a huge audience and it, it really stuck. So, uh, we had thousands and thousands of people, you know, interested in, in our themes and in the gallery theme and, um, you know, even wanted a pro version. And so we released uh, gallery pro and it was pretty popular as well. And it added a whole bunch of features. And so, I mean, it's, it's really about distribution and, and, you know, providing that, that path of least resistance, you know, in terms of giving them more options and, and something to, to latch onto. And so up themes was just kind of a natural progression of that. I mean, I, I had started releasing themes before up themes and, uh, they were all free. And then up themes, I was like, yeah, I need to get, I need to get paid, for, you know, for something because yeah. it's a lot of work, you know, and you, and you want to support your customers and, you know, when you're doing it for free, you just can't, can't do it without, sacrificing actual work um that makes you money so no for sure yeah and these are i was just you know clicking around on them while you were talking and these are some some nice things i know i've seen the gallery one before you i i clicked on the link i was like oh yeah i've seen this yeah well and it the funny thing is i mean it's everywhere like you'll you'll just click around i i still find sites that use it and it's all over the place it's kind of crazy for sure and you guys actually have a really awesome like options framework that you've built that uh, is on your GitHub that is is really great. I've I've looked at it before and you know installed it on a little test site and uh, it's definitely in my back pocket for you know maybe using later in projects. Why why is uh, promoting 
you know, that kind of stuff and open sourcing that's so important to you guys? Well, I mean, I, I guess it goes back to just giving back to the community and, and kind of helping people um, that may not have the experience that we have. You know, it, it, it always feels good to just say, here, take this, <laughs> enjoy it. You know, if you have any questions, just let us know. And, and the Upthemes framework is really something that was uh, brought up that people were like, well, I don't really know how to, I don't know how to build my own WordPress theme and I don't know how to add options. And we were like, well, I mean, why don't we build that and, and release it? And one of our um, employees, uh, before he was an employee, he was actually a contractor for us, uh, Brian Fector. He built the original Upthemes framework and it, it, you know, it, it was one of those things that stuck. You know, people were really interested in it and um, it's literally just something that you install in your theme. Uh, you just drop the files in, bootstrap the, you know, the PHP file or whatever. And then you just kind of build out the, the array of, of options that you need. And it's super easy and people really enjoy the, the ease of use and it uses the settings API within WordPress, which makes it really awesome because then it's super secure and uh, uses WordPress core functions and all that. And um, it's really lightweight, so gets the job done. And that's what people like. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, dude, thank you for being on the show. Coming on, we, we covered a lot of ground and some had some really great stuff today. Yeah, we did. I'm going to have to listen back and see. I mean, we touched pretty much everything, I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Is there anything you'd, you'd like to plug? Speaking, side projects, anything like that? Oh, sure. You know, actually, we've got um, we've got a couple really cool uh, projects that we've been working on that we re, uh, recently released. Uh, the Photolia theme from mm-hmm. UpThemes uh, is actually a really, really neat photo blog theme. And we also have the Typecase plugin, which has a pro version. Uh, it uses Google Web Fonts to basically, it's kind of like Typekit for, uh, for WordPress. So it's, uh, it's free. You, know, it, it, you just install it. You can use any, you, you add your selectors with CSS, and you can use any font from Google Web Fonts. So it's a pretty cool plugin. And Anthony actually, Anthony Grand actually um, designed and, and developed a lot of that plugin, and uh, we're really proud of it. So. Awesome. Well, people need to go check that out. You can find Chris at chris-wallace.com or as Chris Wallace on Twitter. You can also follow The Young Gun Show at Young Gun Show or you can follow me at Galen Gidman. If you like The Young Gun Show and you'd like to get the word out, please review it on iTunes. It's really the best way for to help others find the show. And as always, thank you for listening.